1: Revolutionize your hiring process today by jumping over to thiswayglobal.com and checking out AI for Jobs, where you can learn more about how to leverage AI for your recruiting instead of just writing poems and grocery lists. That is thiswayglobal.com. We out. Coming to you live from the Fuel 50 booth at the heart of of HR tech. It's the Chad and Cheese podcast. We are diving deep into the world of HR technology, tackling workforce challenges with innovative solutions, and we'd like to give special thanks to Fuel50, the science-based talent marketplace that bridges skills gaps, unlocks hidden potential, and supports better retention and engagement. Let's do this. Hide your kids. Lock the doors. You're listening to HR's most dangerous podcast. Chad
2: Sowash and Joel Cheeseman are here to punch the recruiting industry right where it hurts. Complete with breaking news, rash opinion, and loads of snark. Buckle up, boys and girls. It's time for the Chad and Cheese Podcast.
0: Oh, yeah. What's up, everybody? It's your Blackjack Tables favorite podcast, a.k.a. The Chad and Cheese Podcast. I'm your co-host, Joel Cheeseman, joined as always, the Siegfried to my Roy, Chad Sowash. We are recording live from the HR Tech Show in Las Vegas from the Fuel 50 booth. Tigers everywhere. And we are excited to welcome Philip Doerr. He's a tiger. He is... (laughs) I wish I was wearing stripes. The co-founder and managing partner at Peak Span Capital. Woo. That sounds really fancy. Like those glasses. That
1: they,
2: And they the did. jacket. It's, it's awesome to be here with the two of you.
0: You didn't have to take off the ascot for our show, <laughs> by the way. You could have <laughs> well, kept it's, it on. You know,
2: it's a little warm in here. Yeah, that's a good <laughs> so, point. That's a know. very good point. Oh, it's <laughs> going to get hotter
0: in this episode. <laughs> oh, boy, here we go. So, so,
2: give us a little uh, Twitter bio of yeah, you. Yeah, so I've been partnering with entrepreneurs for 26 years. Uh-huh. Just join my forty-first board, which is amazing. Holy, and I shit, say that forty-first, isn't that crazy? Wow! How do you keep it? How do you keep it together after that? Well, they're not all at the same time. Okay, good. Uh, it's not um, like
0: women. Wow. But, oh, Okay,
2: okay. <laughs> oh <my gosh. laughs> which you have.
0: Of- Anyway I, can only, anyway. I can only take care of back one. To okay? so back to
1: Phyllis. Back to
2: So too 26 much. years working with entrepreneurs, which is amazing. Uh-huh. I pinched myself that I get the privilege to work with these incredible pioneers and innovators. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My firm is 27 folks in New York and Silicon Valley. We've got a billion dollars of committed capital, five hundred eighty-five million dollars most recent fund, and we—I think—we fill a gap in the market. We partner with what I call emerging growth stage companies. So it's when you're through the product market fit woods, gotcha. and it was yep. really hard, like you—you you like really had to focus to get through those woods. So we're talking A stage. It's funny because our companies will typically bootstrap or quasi bootstrap to 5 to 10 million in revenue. Uh-huh. So even though they have real scale, we're usually their first institutional investor. Yep. And they're bringing us in because they've gotten through those product market fit woods, and now they find themselves at the foot of a mountain called go-to-market scaling and mechanization. Yeah. And that's where we come in with capital and more importantly, domain expertise and experience and an awesome network to help them crush that. Now, do you find at that point that many
1: startups, you've got a lot of startup founders that are out there great people great vision but once you get to growth that's an entirely different animal do you yeah. find that at that point you have to have a hard discussion and say well, are you the one you that bring- brings
0: the adults in the room, <laughs> do you bring the, the adults in
1: the room I mean that's that's a great way to say it Joel because this is very hard for many founders to understand that they it's just a different animal going from founder stage to growth stage yeah. to IPO etc cetera, etc cetera.
2: it's a really excellent question um, I would say most founders think that establishing product market fit is the hardest challenge they're going to see in their journey. <laughs> uh, and I tell them, no, it's, it's, it, it is it's a hard challenge, yes. but scaling your business with real repeatability is even harder, unfortunately. Uh-huh. I'd say that one of the things that we do a lot of is kind of increasing talent density, right? So typically when we partner with our founders, they're torch jugglers, they're running sales, they're running product, yes. they're the part-time CFO. Right. And so over time, will help augment that team so that we can really kind of concentrate and reinforce their superpowers, if that makes sense. Okay. And different founders will have different... I've I've had some founders who are the best strategic salespeople on the planet. I've had other founders whose superpower is their product, right? Um, And so it's all about identifying where can you have the most impact as a leader in your business and complementing you with the right team members. Right.
1: Some founders are revenue sales focused. That's right. Absolutely, in their DNA. Like some are tech in their developers. That's right. Does it matter to you guys? I mean, is there really a, a sweet spot for you guys when you're looking at a founder that you want to... I'm guessing
0: the best is both.
2: Yeah, you, but you rarely see it, right? Like, most yeah. people, unfortunately, are not polymaths when it comes to being excellent at all things <laughs> at the same time. Yeah. Yes. I'd say that we always want to start with a couple of essential ingredients. One is you got to have a good product. Yeah. Second, we try and avoid whatever's in the white, hot, chewy center of whatever Silicon Valley-based venture <laughs> capital is interested in because – Silicon Valley Venture Capital is like, uh, they're like rabbit farmers, right? They get excited about a category. Yeah. And then if you fast forward like eight quarters, there's 12,000 companies that are all going after the yeah. same yes. uh, small addressable market. Right. So we look for uh, entrepreneurs that have a great product. They live in a, a relatively dense, meaning favorable, competitive environment. And what they're doing is something that matters and has impact. Yeah. Um, and those tend to be the best partners for for PeakSpan.
0: Name some names. Give us some yeah. of your like big exits, your yeah. most sort of portfolio yeah. by Baby, profile. Portfolio. Yeah.
2: I'll give you some early hits in my career. So one of my first investments that I ever worked on was in a business called Plateau Systems, which was a great LMS, not a great name for a software company, Plateau Systems, but great <laughs> software business that was acquired by SuccessFactors and now is SAP's LMS. Okay. Nice. I was privileged to join the board of, a, of at the time, small business called HireVue, and they were about $3 million in revenue uh-huh. scale. And it's great to see them as one of the leaders and pioneers here now. Within the Peakspan portfolio, Fuel50 is obviously an amazing partner of ours, but we also work with a number of other businesses. There's a company called Epignosis. Uh, their flagship product is called Talent LMS, and they have probably uh, 11x revenue scale in the four and a half years. Well, that that's we've
1: been two partners. LMSs right out of the gate. Is there a focus on the
2: LMS side of the house? So I'm not. I don't need to be particularly clever. I look for big pain points. Yes. And we lean into those. Okay. So we think that if you look at the shortage of talent. That is facing North American, Western European companies in particular uh-huh. over the next several decades. There's going to continue to be a massive focus on reskilling and upskilling, and how I can be super creative about addressing those needs. Yes, with external candidates, but also with the folks that work for me currently. Right. So we've made investments in businesses like Talent LMS, which has a high-velocity LMS for departmental and mid-sized businesses. Okay. Uh, we're partnered with an incredible business called Arist that serves enterprises with a, a continuous Learning solution, the flow of work. They basically break down your content into micro courses, and they deliver that through Slack teams and text. Okay, it's almost like putting your reps in every day, as opposed to sitting in front of a screen for two hours. Yeah, uh, we work with a business called Bongo Learn that does video-based training and assessment with with AI. I'm to sensing
0: a theme here, Chad. Yeah, yeah. A lot of L words. We
2: also, obviously, I mean, Fuel 50 is right at the forefront of helping you develop your internal talent. To meet your future needs. So
0: I think one of the criticisms of of investment firms is that they tend to chase the shiny thing. Yeah. So if CNBC is talking about AI, well, we got to get into AI. If they're talking about remote work, well, God, we got to get headfirst in remote work. It sounds like you guys are a little more disciplined in that. Talk to the shiny thing trend and how you guys stay focused on apparently the learning side of of development and employment.
2: My analogy for what you just described—you have you all seen the movie? I've got uh, an 18-year-old, a 20-year-old, but when they were when they were tiny, tiny, I embarked on a wonderful um, uh, relationship with the Disney franchise. Uh huh. There's a movie called Finding Nemo that you yes, probably yeah. have heard of. Oh yeah,
1: great just scene in that swimming, movie, swimming Phil. baby Dory. Great,
2: great, <laughs> great scene in that movie where Dory pops up out of the water near a pier and there's a bunch of seagulls sitting there. Uh-huh. And one seagull sees her and she says, mine. And then all the other seagulls go, mine, 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 yeah, mine. Yeah, 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 yeah. That is the U.S. venture <laughs> capital industry in a, in a, in a hot second. <laughs> so what happens in, in my industry is something gets hot, and I can actually show it to you in the data. We can actually go back and look at company starts yeah. and media mentions. Yeah. Right now, it's Gen AI. Before that, it was e-scooters. Before that, it was big data. <laughs> and as soon as that topic gets hot, everybody's got to have their play. Yes. And so you see this massive increase in the number of companies going after the same opportunity. And if you fast forward three or four years later, sadly, there's like two or three players that own 80% of the segment value. And the rest are struggling to find a home it's not a great way to, for entrepreneurs to build value, not right. a great way for us to you know, harvest and accrue value for our stakeholders. So we tend to look for business. I'll use Fuel50 as an example. If you look at the, the competitive set going after their, their segment of talent, marketplaces, internal mobility, and career pathing, yeah. you've got some really credible players, Gloat and Eightfold and Fuel50. But Given the size and quality of the market opportunity, you don't have like 60 that you can rattle off, right? Right. And so we as investors and partners find that when we're working with our teams to be an exceptionally compelling dynamic. Got a huge market opportunity. It's something that's hard to do. So there's natural walls and moats. And there's very few vendors that are actually doing it with grace and elegance.
1: Okay, listener. How can you help your employees become more productive? I have answers. How about automating?
0: Seriously, though, seriously. TextKernel cuts through the complexities like a tortilla chip through some hot nacho cheese. Oh, my God. Really?
1: Nacho references already? Anyways, Uh. TextKernel brings efficiency and productivity to your operations. TextKernel seamlessly unifies your tools
0: and data to drive efficiencies and success. TextKernel is creating new opportunities for your recruitment journey Get ready to use today's tech
1: to drive efficiencies and productivity. Visit Techskernel.com. That's T-E-X-T-K-E-R-N-E-L.com.
0: Mm, nachos.
3: <laughs> are you struggling to attract the talent you need today? Do you lack visibility into where your recruitment ad dollars are really going? And wasted spending. And hello to optimized automated campaigns that produce qualified applicants. At Acquire ROI, we make job advertising easy. Visit us at acquireroi.com and start transforming your talent acquisition today.
1: Well, talk a little bit about the due diligence, if you would, because we've seen. And we will continue to see a shit ton of vaporware that's out yep, there, yep. right? There's an there's a over-promise, under deliver, and a lot of that has to do with the sugar rush of the cash that came in in the first yeah, place got- and the explosion of some of these TAMs. And and we'll say eightfold for for I mean they started off with a very short small TAM that yeah. was focused on you know parsing and 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 matching and now they do everything right which to me come on, how can you explode that fast so you see those types of things every single day if I'm a founder and I want to go after cash and funding and I get cash and funding what what is that TAM how do how do you play with that TAM from founder to founder to founder, because sometimes it just explodes, but then you see some organizations that stay hyper-focused. What's the right answer? Is there a right answer?
2: There's no perfect right answer. I think if you try as a small business to go after too large an addressable market early in your development, in my experience, in my you know quarter century doing this, it's a little bit like when you ha- your kids try and play 10 sports at the same time. The odds of them <laughs> being good at any of them go down dramatically, right? Yes. Whereas when you see people that are, are really exceptional at what they do, they wake up every morning and they just try and get a little bit better at, at that sport, right? Uh-huh. The other analogy I use with my entrepreneurs is, I'm not telling you that you can't go after that big, grand vision someday. Right. But it's a little bit like dropping a pebble in a pond, right? Let's not go after the sixth ring first. Let's focus on that immediate ring that we created right around the pebble. Right. And once we've really crushed that ring, then we expand to the next ring. And the beauty of that, to your question, is your team wakes up every morning And they know exactly what they're doing. Product knows who they serve. Customer success has seen all the problems and objections. They know how to speak the language of the customer. Your sales team knows how to sell to that ICP in their sleep. Your marketing team is making the same content over and over again, so they get really good at it. It's like anything else in life. Practice makes perfect, and focus trumps in expertise, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm a huge believer in focus first for most businesses. Gotcha.
0: I want to touch on uh, societal responsibility. Sure and we touched on you know, chasing the, the next shiny thing. There was a period in our business where diversity, equity, and inclusion was a hot topic. The George Floyd murders, the Me Too movement, there was a lot of money going into companies focused on in, inclusivity and diversity. That seems to have dried up. That seems to have hit companies where uh, Wall Street Journal reported a lot of companies are laying off their DEI uh, management team or whoever's in, in charge of that. Does capital have a responsibility to continue to push the envelope around these social issues? Or is it strictly a market decision to say, the money's not there anymore, we're going to go somewhere else?
2: I actually prefer to be an optimist. And when you said that... Well, that's no fun. Um, when, you, when you said that, what immediately went through my head was actually some conversations that we've been having in my role, we don't need to be that smart. We talk to buyers, right? So we talk to CHROs, we talk to people leaders, Uh and we stitch together those conversations and pattern match. And that's how we get excited about new and emerging themes where we feel like innovators and pioneers can have an impact. One of the areas that I'm hearing CHROs talk a ton about, even in this market, which is a a tough market because budgets have been slashed uh-huh. and people are feeling a lot of constraint. They felt abundance two years ago and they're not feeling abundance today. The couple of the key areas that we hear people talking about over and over again that I think are exciting is one is pay equity, right? Pay equity is a super important and hot topic right now, which I think is encouraging. Yes. Um, this and, and by the way, way overdue and needed, right? Second is we hear people talking about a, a real desire to have better workforce analytics. So Before we can address some of the questions and problems that you're talking about, we first need to understand what the heck is the state of play. Yeah. And what's embarrassing is I think most mid-market enterprise people leaders would tell you if they were being honest, they have no clue what their organization looks like. Right. And so I think we first need to make sure that we understand what is the state of the union look like. And then I prefer to be optimistic and think that leaders have good intent and that we will correct these things over time. That's my view. Um, it keeps me energized. You,
1: you know where intention takes you,
2: right? You're going to be negative now, aren't you? I told I'm, you I'm, I'm just saying. Guy. So
1: from our standpoint, intent has been wonderful, but it hasn't moved the ball right? It hasn't. We love to talk about pay equity, but the only way we're going to get there is through government intervention. If it wouldn't have been, then we would have done it years ago, that's right? that's
2: coming too, right? like So we see EU and US states yes. moving more and more to transparency, uh-huh. which is, I think, an essential ingredient to pay equity. And you've got some amazing vendors. There's businesses here like Compa, that are crushing it with an awesome novel approach to providing that transparency and decisioning yeah. for enterprises. There's companies like Figures in Europe that are doing the same for the European market. So look, I hear you all. I'm not I'm not in any way ignoring or taking any currency from your observation, but I'm in the business of being an optimist. That's how I wake up every day and get motivated. Yeah. And so I do think we're gonna hit these issues and see improvement.
0: Does government regulation drive investment decisions? And should it?
2: Hell yes. Government (laughs) regulation can be a massive catalyst to investment decisions because it will drive customer behavior. Oh, yeah. And vendors will respond to to customer behavior, right? We see that all the time. Yeah.
0: So so we've seen a massive shift. You know, we saw 20 to 22, free money, unicorns everywhere in every industry. That's dried up. We're starting to see some cracking of the ice with High Bob getting investment, yep. Harry. Uh, Harry just got a, a big investment. 43 just want to get your take on the world that was, the world that is, and the world that will be in terms of how money's being freed up.
2: Yeah. So one benefit of, of having done this for, for 26 years is this is my fourth economic correction that I'm, I've seen as an investor. That 2020 to 2021 period was the most buoyant that I've seen in my career. Yeah. I think referencing that as a baseline or as a comp is probably not the right mentality for an entrepreneur to have. No. Uh, But (laughs) I think that there are things that are just true, right? So going back to our comment around focus, focus vendors, I think, will always trump people that that have the best product in their category will always have access to capital. Yeah. I think we get, went through a period you guys were referring to sugar rush. We went through a period where people were looking for candy all the time. Yes. And what they learned, unfortunately the can is a candy is not good for you. It feels good <laughs> in the moment, but it's not good for you. Yeah. Um, when we're here at Vegas
0: Everything's good for you here.
2: The all-you-can-eat dessert buffet looks good, but it's not good for you. Wait, where's, guys, that? Right?
0: where's
2: that? Where's <laughs> that? <laughs> so I'd say tell um, a lot of the companies that we work with are bootstrapped or hyper capital efficient before we show up, uh-huh. and you should see the return that these companies are able to glean from the capital that we contribute because they're they're athletic, right? That their DNA is around taking any dollar they get and really making it go far. Oh yeah, and. The beauty of that is that you can create the most extraordinary wins for everyone for your employees uh-huh. for certainly for the founders and for your investors at outcomes that are very different than what some of the valley companies require to make everybody feel satisfied yeah right. Uh, sometimes the, those expectations are very hard to meet. Phil, thanks for
0: hanging out with us here in the uh, Fuel you Fifty. Got, this is awesome. Booth. You
2: guys rock. This is so much fun. <laughs> thanks for man. our
0: listeners and particularly those startups out there that may be oh, looking for yeah. some capital. Where would you send them? How can they connect with you?
2: Come see us. Reach out to us. All of our contact detail is at peakspancapital dot com. And I want to thank the two of you. This is awesome. Thanks, man. And if if I can ever rejoin you, I'd love to do it. So thanks, you. Amen. Coming.
0: Phil McCracken. I mean Philip door, Everybody. <laughs> He's the co-founder, managing partner at Peakspan. That is another one in the can. We out.
1: Wow, look at you. You made it through an entire episode of the Chat and Chase podcast. Or maybe you cheated and fast-forwarded to the end. Either way, there's no doubt you wish you had that time back. Valuable time you could have used to buy a nutritious meal at Taco Bell. Enjoy a pour of your favorite whiskey.